beef rap Could lead to getting teeth capped Or even a reef from armed dudes on some grief crap I suggest to change your diet It could lead to high blood pressure if you're fried Or even a stroke, heart attack, heart disease It ain't no starting back once arteries start to squeeze Take the easy way out phony Until then they know they wouldn't be talking abalone in the bullpen so disgusting, pardon self as I discuss this They talk a wealth of shit and they ain't never seen the justice Bust this like a cold milk from out the toilet Two batteries, some Brillo and some foil, he'll boil it You'd be better off in PC glued And it's a feud, so don't be in no TV mood Every week it's mystery, meet seaweed stewed Hello comrades and welcome to Season 2, Episode 7 of Spectre I'm delighted today to be joined by Nick Troy as we talk deep into the 13th note. Nick, it's a pleasure to have you here. Pleasure to be here, thanks very much. Cheers, Nick. So just to, to get started, just a wee introduction from yourself, you know, who you are, your affiliations and everything else in between. I'm Nick Troy. I was a chef at the recently closed 13th note and I'm also on the editorial board of Peace, Land and Bread. Good stuff, mate. So yeah, the, the 13th note, I guess, it's been a very hot topic, uh, both in and out of the kitchen. Yeah, just looking for a wee, you know, history of, you know, what's been happening at the 13th note, probably for those who, you know, have been somehow unaware of what's been happening, the events that have uh, taken place in the past uh, to now what we're seeing today with the venue. Um. Oh, well, yeah, so the 13th note is like quite, or it was uh, quite a historic culturally significant music venue in the city obviously like one of the places that was like key in the sort of recent rise in like veganism and stuff like that in glasgow um it's existed for about 20 30 years it was initially owned i believe by craig tannock who owns mono and stuff like that and then they liquidated uh, in the early 2000s which is when jacqueline took it over so um yeah it's as as a as a venue it's it's played like host a, uh, a lot of like bands that went on to be like quite famous and successful. Franz Ferdinand, Biffy Clyro played there, Bell and Sebastian, um, Goldfrat, like things like that. Um like so when when I initially went and worked in there, I was quite excited. I used to go to the note a lot when I was younger. Um I have seen like plenty of bands and stuff like that in the note. And I think that was the same for everyone that worked there. Everyone generally like, appreciated that sort of cultural heritage. And uh, yeah, the significance of it. But um, like working there was like like incredibly different. Like the differences, like from from your perception of the thirteenth note to actually like working behind the scenes was was something else. To be honest, I mean hospitality generally is poverty pay, uh, unstable unstable contracts, poor working conditions, poor health and safety. But uh, there were things with the note that really like took that to another level. We had a a serious rodent infestation, uh, which was actually was was effectively facilitated by the owner. The owner had um had built a stage floor on top of the kitchen. So initially, one one of the major issues is the structural, and uh like literally at the building, and so that a, a like a sinkhole effectively had started to appear underneath the oven. Right, this is before I started working there, and to instead of rectifying that. And like you know, obviously, like avoiding something that could potentially seriously injure somebody, the owner decided to just build a stage floor on top of that. So when we eventually, when we got mice, they were like you couldn't ever really control them because they literally lived under the kitchen, like in a gap between the stage floor and the actual floor. So yeah, we had that issue. We had poverty pay. Most of our uh, members in the note um, were in 
uh, were in or had like very recently been in their overdraft. Most most people lived in their overdraft, which obviously like the whole the whole point of his working is to sell labour to sustain ourselves and, and all anyone really seemed to be doing was indebting themselves further. We had apart from one or two members of staff, we had everyone on zero hour contracts. The owner has since tried to claim that because there was no actual number written in so the, of those of us that had contracts, there was no actual number written on the contract. So the owner's been trying to argue that that means that it wasn't a zero-hour contract, despite not guaranteeing any others whatsoever. So, uh, yeah, we had major issues with that. Major issues with people not having contracts. We had, like, we were working without breaks. Uh, and I was, anyway, the kitchen were doing 12-hour shifts with no break whatsoever. We had, like, pieces of the ceiling in the venue falling on top of people. I almost had a 180-kilogram fridge fall on me and another chef uh, because the wheel just out of nowhere just snapped. It was old, like, poorly resourced. Uh, like, the, the kitchen was poorly resourced, so these things weren't maintained. Uh, any complaints about them were just completely ignored, so you ended up things like that happening. With it. I mean, if, if we hadn't caught that and were able to get out of the way and invoke Section 44... An employment rights act which allowed us to walk out if we thought there was an imminent danger if we hadn't done that uh that could potentially have fallen on us and it's one of those service fridges those waist height and um, that like that would have like crippled or potentially killed somebody so it's um uh yeah it was just major major issues like that i've sort of rabbed it on a wee bit there but i hope that sort of gives you a general view of the place was falling about the pay was garbage the, the, there was no stability with the contracts, but it was somewhere that everyone cared for beyond just being a job, if you like. Yeah, and I guess the irony uh, in that is that Jacqueline Fennessy was the only rat in the workplace, surprisingly. <laughs> uh, and yeah, like you say, I think it was it was certainly a historic venue, and I think that that's shown. Uh, obviously, we'll come on to talk about this later. The strikes and the support received from it. I think the the support. From from artists as well who, who recognise its significance was was truly great. Uh, so you've talked about the past of you know what the thirteenth note uh, from the outside used to you know used to stand for what it was and then very much the the real conditions for workers inside. You know, fast forward into now, what's the current situation with the thirteenth note? Uh, currently, it's closed as of today. Like recording, uh, we have not received notice pay and that that. Uh, or were holiday pay. Uh, none of us have, as far as I'm aware. So yeah, the it's it's technically closed. We are not getting any information from Jackie whatsoever in terms of she claimed to in our press statement um that she was liquidating the company, but we've got no like there's been there's been no communication with us. She's not bothered to let any of us know. So yeah, it's it's, it's difficult to tell. We are we are obviously we've launched this campaign to try and reclaim the note. We want to take it over. And turn it in a workers cooperative, but until the lease is relinquished, we are sort of stuck in limbo at the moment. Yeah, cheers for that, Nick. I mean, yeah, again, we'll come on to talk about you know about fantasy and some of our actions as well. But certainly, you know, I think it was clear to to many of us those who were on the uh, picket line with you guys and understanding the real story of of what went wrong. Uh, it was never the fault of the workers. It was never the fault of the, the staff there at all. It was all mismanagement, incompetence and just an unwillingness to invest any form of capital into the 13th note to make it better both for customers and most importantly the workers 
So yeah, with that being said, and you know the amount of issues that you you went over, and uh, me and you both know that's only a fraction of the issues as well. So just to to talk about you know a bit of, uh, a bit of understanding on unionising that workplace, how that went for you guys. Uh, you know, I think there's uh, a lot to learn uh, from the thirteenth note and how well you've done. Uh, the fact you had to force Jacqueline to you know to to really show her hand uh, because there's so many difficulties in in organising in hospitality. Uh, just so, just if you can give us a wee insight into that. Um, well, I think like hospitality, like brings like very unique challenges. I think, but in a lot of senses, it also it also like gives you like some strengths. So because it's such a social job, it allows you to, like uh, you you build it, hospitality. Employers always talk about there being like oh every everyone's like one big family, and generally that's mocked and laughed at, but it is true for the people that work in the venue. Like, for like one one, you tend to become really good friends with people, particularly because you're working like Friday, Saturday nights. You're literally spending the time where everyone else that you know outside of the industry is socialising. You're spending it with folk and work. So, yeah, it's um that that is a strength, and that's something that we can like you can tap into and it's good for sort of building like so our our unionization effort took like quite a long time it took like uh like we were talking about this last summer so it took it took like hospitality is like it's all about i think about establishing a base and we were able to do that over a certain period of time because you're dealing with a constant uh sort of uh a constant What's the word? I've lost the word now. You're a constant turnover. So you get people coming and going all the time in hospitality. But because you've got that sort of, like, everyone's dead friendly, everyone's, like, becomes quite tight-knit quite quickly, you're able to establish a base. And from that base, you're able to bring people in. So there's always going to be, with any organising effort, you're always going to have a core group of people that are really, like, involved. And then there's always going to be people that are involved but can't commit the same level of time. Can't even necessarily remember where I was going with this. But what we were able to do is by, yeah, so by establishing a base, we were able to, like, uh, bring, like, like slowly, slowly build on that. And when people, like, so, for example, when we were coming up to actually launching our grievance, there were some people that only joined the union in, like, the week and a half building up to that. They, they were not long in the door. And but because we were able to establish that union base where people were talking about it on the bar and talking about it in the kitchen, it wasn't it became like something that was like a constant part of like well, workplace conversation and it didn't become that sort of thing. A lot of people, particularly in industries like hospitality, where people generally depreciate themselves, like undervalue themselves, undervalue the job they're doing, undervalue their time, people tend to just think of unionising is just a bit of a hassle and not really worth it but because we'd established that base we were able to like have that part of the constant conversation and it it just won people over the main thing was just literally just nipping at folk all the time about it and talking about it constantly um so but yeah so we had several incarnations of the union and part of that was just it being this constant like it's it's, it's easier to bring things to the fore as well when your issues are as apparent as ours are so it's just bringing everything back to like people. I feel like sometimes if you just polarize people, like with people all the time, you just constantly like if people focus like, ah, oh fuck, I can't afford my taxi up the road tonight, or I can't afford to go out and do this, or um, 
like worried about my rent this month if you constantly bring that back to people's wages because as much as people understand that and know that they know they're not getting paid enough but it's quite easy like we've all done it to just sort of ignore that and like just try and just knuckle down and get on with things but if you're always constantly at folk like well why why should you be worrying about your wages you're spending fucking 35 40 hours a week in here it does that does sort of get if people start realizing wait a minute it's not just me that's that's feeling the brunt of this and everyone else is quite angry about it and everyone's talking about a solution to it and i think that like it's, i mean that's just like workplace organizing like 101 but it does really help and it did really help in hospitality because a lot of hospitality is like breaking through like this ideology that people have accepted themselves where they think they are low skilled which is not necessarily true at all um they are like people don't value themselves they don't value any of their time or any of their effort and i think sometimes the best the best in my on, on my like one-to-one cases with people where I, I i was able to convince people myself to join it was always going back to like a theory of surplus value right so it's people people maybe undervalue like they're like oh well i'm just pouring pints all night like literally i've, I've had people saying that like, i probably don't deserve to get paid anymore for this but if you make people realize that for every pint that they pour or whatever they make so let's say a pint sold for a fiver and per pint the owner's paying like what 80 pence per pint of lager or whatever then the profit they're making off that is insane and if you make people realize that like the economics of working the economics of their job then that sort of gets people's backs up a little bit do you know what i mean um so yeah i've that's been thingied all over the place if you would like me like later on to go back over that then i totally will because i've just sort of here there and everywhere but yeah sorry yeah no i was brilliant nick cheers for that uh, i think you're spot on uh you know what you talked about and certainly you know talking to you guys and, and everything it's clear that the, the efforts of unionizing uh it's you know brought you and the staff closer together uh I, I, that was definitely abundant during your, your work in the strikes and the uh, the recent fundraiser in glasgow as well so i think that you know the efforts that you've done have been fantastic and yeah it can be a really slow slow process uh, unionizing in general uh, not to mention hospitality and like you say you know it's characterized as you know precarious work uh, and you know some people just put that down to the work itself like you said but you know it, the actual precariousness of it purely comes down to the likes of certain bosses and you know managers and you know how they treat staff and you know the hospitality has now become a a revolving door you know it's very much viewed in the in the sense of it's almost only for the likes of students and that just as a bit of extra cash and you know nothing else but you know would would that be the, the same calling cry that would be made tomorrow for whatever reason universities and colleges in scotland were shut down and there was no uh, students needing to pay for their, their tuition or anything else in between and paying for their flats it would very much still be advertised as a as a job or as a career and everything else in between because of how desperate managers uh, and bosses are in hospitality for staff. They, they quite literally can't keep enough of them, which, uh, you know, uh, is ironic considering how they treat them uh, because they know they can treat young people like that. They know they can treat young people with, you know, anger, disdain, everything else in between because of folk needing uh, the money. And, you know, uh, I think, you know, Unite Hospitality, not just here in, in Scotland, but across Britain is, uh, you know, now showing uh, that these bosses aren't going to get away uh, with even the smallest of things are going to be held to the full account. So, no, I think you've done an excellent job in talking about the unionising efforts of uh, the workplace. And I guess that kind of brings us perfectly on to the strikes 
uh, that happened, you know, that's, that came from definitely the efforts of, you know, raising several things that Fantasy chose to ignore. Uh, just looking to see if you can give us a wee breakdown, you know, the, the strike action that you took, you know, the, the public support and everything else you, you know, received from then. Uh, I so um, we we voted unanimously for strike action just in May there, and uh, we took so we we voted to take four weeks, two days a week, Friday Saturday, uh, a forty hour walkout, um, and yeah, that was that was mainly due to the fact that we'd been meeting with Jackie continuously uh, to no avail. She was completely unwilling uh, to meet us on like very reasonable demands um i actually said in one of the meetings that and i, I stand by it i said i said that, that what we were asking for was like borderline like charitable to her we were asking for nothing really whatsoever we're asking for pay that we could afford to pay with our bills with and afford to live half decent lives with the the real living wage which really is 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 like arguably like is arguably not good enough in, in the first instance, but even just to get to a level where like we were paid something above minimum was was going to be like that was the aim, and she was unwilling to meet us on that, unwilling to meet us on contracts on contracted hours. Uh, she still, even by the time she closed there, a lot of that, a lot of the staff still didn't even have a contract. Like she was, which is like, I mean, make it that what you will. Like people working for months and months and months on end without ever getting a contract. It took me. It took me genuinely about a year to get a copy of mine because they were completely unwilling to give us copies and whatnot. So yeah, it, after 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 a, a long like period of deal, just dealing with all these issues, health and safety concerns not being addressed, we get closed down by EHO. We eventually got to the strikes. The strikes were really aimed at like it was it was obviously last resort. Nobody wants to be going on strike, particularly Friday Saturdays when most of us were getting our shifts. So. Um, we'd been threatened a couple of weeks before with redundancy, which was I still I still believe was an attempt to put us off going on strike and to bust the union in the weeks leading up. It was ironically within twenty four hours of being served notice of the strike dates that Jackie uh, started pulling people into, into rooms on their own and threatening them with redundancy. Um, that 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 sort of gave us a bit of a, a wobble. Everyone obviously initially worried massively but we galvanized and pulled together went ahead with the strikes we were out on the friday the friday morning in particular or midday we had massive crowds we had them um, i think like it was honestly it was between like one and two hundred people turned up it was it was wild we had councillors msps uh coming out to support us people fit across the left um out to support us so it was it was actually it was quite it was staggering that we had the, the media were all over it um which i like we didn't expect whatsoever um i didn't expect to end up on the telly over any of the stuff at the 13th note but i ended up like getting calls from my gran and stuff like that like what are you doing here so yeah it was it was a, a wild day um the friday was slightly quieter uh, no the saturday sorry was a little bit quieter but we still had a really strong turnout um and yeah, like uh, uh, morale was really high after it. Aware that uh, we had a meeting planned with ACAS with Jackie on the Wednesday, the nineteenth of July, and that was meant to be about getting to an, a final agreement. We knew that Jackie had uh, was still 
like the she's her threat of redundancy was still live, if you like, but she'd agreed not to make any redundancies until she met with us in ACAS. Um but then by the time we got to that meeting or to the day of that meeting in the morning, she put out a press statement, didn't even contact any of us, still hasn't contacted me. I've not I've not had a conversation with her. Um plenty of the staff haven't had a conversation where we were informed informed via press that she was uh closing the venue two hours before we were meant to meet Waycast. So yeah, the strikes the strikes were I mean the strikes were really positive. It it was the first bar strike in Scotland in over twenty years. Uh, I think it really did lay down a marker. Um we were it was we were um I like to think of us as like sort of standing on the shoulders of what the IWW and San Diego achieved. They had like five days a week for five weeks. Uh it wasn't technically a it was a protest, but they were able to have that outside San Diego for like five weeks. So I I think that it was a it was a nice sort of like step, a nice progression to go to like a proper like balloted strike. Um and it, it just shows, yeah, as you were alluding to, like the growth in hospitality organising, the way that things are changing now, because of this labour shortage, we're able to uh, really like start, like people people are taking their jobs and their roles more seriously now, you know what I mean? Particularly because it's not like, as the rest of the economy like contracts, hospitality seems to be, as much as there are like there are pubs closing down all over the shop and stuff like that, but it does, it is an, an, a sector of the economy that is still like, it isn't, it isn't, degenerating in the same way largely because it's got terrible working conditions and stuff like that so but because drinking cultures and eating culture in this country is is massive so what the point i'm trying to make anyway is that people are now like so maybe people like myself where i, I went to university i got my degrees and i assumed i would go on to work with my degrees my degrees had nothing to do with chefing at all uh, but a lot of us now are getting like the jobs that are the sectors that we were in over university or we are now struggling to get out of and that's the same for hospitality but it does mean that people are taking their jobs more seriously and are more willing to like organize and thing around it so yeah i think the strikes were a, 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 a good marker it was a good progression in what we're trying to do in hospitality unfortunately it didn't get as the outcome we were looking for but ho- hopefully what we're doing now anyways is building on on a, a better outcome if you like yeah that's spot on nick cheers for that uh yeah, I'd wholeheartedly agree. You know, being at the the picket line uh, for myself on the Saturday, uh, you know, I think it was a, a fantastic turnout again. You know, like you said, you know, it was a very very diverse diverse line with folk for different trade unions, different groups, and uh, everything else in between. So you know, like you said, you just kind of laid down the benchmark, and from that, you you've got a broad range of of solidarity that's not just ended uh, from the strike action or the closing down the thirteenth note. It's continued now. Uh, into this campaign to return the 13th note uh, into the workers' hands, which is superb. Uh, and like we mentioned earlier, you know, the fundraiser, uh, as well as the crowdfunder for it also, uh, it's been superb. And, you know, the, 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 the stuff to do with the closing of the 13th note, I guess this is sort of falling on to our next point, you know, you know, there was the closure of the 13th note. This isn't the only venue that uh, Jacqueline owns. Uh, and as you've alluded to with her actions and how she informed people or well how she didn't inform people and who she went to straight away she went straight away to the Murdoch press uh, and instantaneously began yet again the trade union bullying uh, and criminalization uh, more so focused on Brian Simpson uh, one of the officers for United Hospitality who was doing a fantastic job 
Uh, I was just looking to see if you can give us a bit, you know, a bit more insight into the the, the closure, the thirteenth note, and Jacqueline's, you know, comments into the press and how she attempted to portray you guys uh, as well as those from Unite helping you. Um, I mean, yeah, like the closure, like and and Jackie's closing statement, if you like, uh, was just indicative of her attitude the entire time. She lied through her teeth. I mean, this is this is a woman that sent us the outcome to her grievance appeal in the morning saying that she'd fixed all health and safety concerns that we'd raised in our grievance and in the afternoon was closed by an EHO spot visit for how bad the health and safety was. Like, literally on the same day, it's like you could not script it. She's a, a compulsive liar. Um, she had no interest. We're talking about outside of, like, literally the, the two general managers. We had two guys in the end was sharing a general manager role for being well-behaved and not joining the union. And um, they, uh, outside of or outside of those two, we had 100% density. Like, she was, despite that, she had no interest and she had, she had no respect for us, right? That's, that was clear for the start. And I think that is, that is reflected in, in how she, or well, how she didn't let us know about uh, losing her jobs. Um, I mean, running to the press, the way she tried to, she tried, she called Unite Hospitality bullies, like what, what she fails to understand. And I think what people, what like the sort of petty bourgeois class, if you like, fail to understand is, and, and, and it, because they have this um, sick, like individualist outlook uh, and don't understand like the, the quality and the benefits of like collectivism, if you like, they, they couldn't see that. Unite Hospitality wasn't some separate entity that had like been parachuted in, but Unite Hospitality was like the very staff that she's sitting claiming on one hand to respect and to be really sorry for that she's closing the venue. Like she, it was just, it was just a honestly, it was just a cynical attempt to try and drive this, like drive this wedge between us and our union that had supported us through it all. It was just, it was just, it, it just come back. I, I, I think that it summed her up perfectly. I think that uh, having sat in hours and hours and hours and hours of meetings with her uh, where some of the things she says like you wouldn't even believe I think that yeah the the closure and the run at the press was just was trademark honestly and I would like to say I can't say too much about the Murdoch Press um, article for like various issues but I, I would like to say that them coming after Brian like Brian is doing a, a phenomenal job right unbelievable job uh, like you see that in the victories at Cameron House, Sloan's, Brell, uh, now the GST have get a recognition agreement. Um, Brian, Brian's doing unreal stuff, and what like that? That's what it's it's the same with every social movement, uh, and and history. Like they like our opponents will come after our leaders, like when they're scared, and that's exactly what they're doing with Brian. Is like they're terrified of Brian. They're terrified of what we as a union. Are building and what we're going to continue building, and that was just a a poor attempt. I mean, I feel like if if with all the wealth that Murdoch has to like to, ha- to have such a that that article was just such a non-starter. Like nobody cared about it, and anyone that did look at it and anyone that did read it saw it exactly for what it was: a thinly veiled attack on trade unionism on the democratic right of workers in this country and just a, a hit piece it was pathetic honestly 
Yeah, absolutely spot on there again, Nick. And, you know, like setting the benchmark, I think if uh, Fantasy was to, you know, take the loss and, you know, uh, listen to you guys and meet the demands of, you know, the union, then what would that have meant for her other venue now? Uh, you know, and I guess it's a, this has been a tactic for her, I guess, to, you know, try and secure some earning of our, you know, like you've mentioned, our individualistic mindset, our lifestyle and, you know, how she lives. Uh, and, you know, you, I, I think that workers in the, the other venue will probably quite rightfully, you know, be a bit hesitant, you know, that's understandable, you know, from, from the acts of fantasy, but, you know, she certainly tried to, to play her hand at first, lost and decide to, to cash out her chips. Uh, and, you know, and this is, like you said, only showed her true colours, you know, for what she's done uh, for the actual actions in the 13th note when you guys were working there. Uh, as well as their actions after closing uh, and just going straight to the press, not even having the, the common decency uh, to message people to say that they've not got a work to come to. They, you know, uh, that must have been daunting, uh, having to find that out. Uh, and I think at the, the fundraiser, one of the speakers, a, a, a Thursday's note worker, mentioned how he managed to find out via Facebook <laughs> in the morning <laughs> when he woke up that he didn't have a job to go to. Uh, and it's, uh, it's utterly disgraceful that, you know, bandits such as Jacqueline Fennessy, you know, have been allowed to run rampant for so long. And, you know, there's probably a million different Fennessys uh, in the hospitality sector, you know, and now with the work that you guys have done, uh, you know, with the back of the United Hospitality and the broad level of solidarity shown from different trade union groups and other organisations, I think a good few of them will now be looking over their shoulder thinking that they could be, be next because, yeah, it definitely was, you know, inspiring stuff you've done and, you know, talking about, you know, the actions that Fennessy's done, the closing the 13th note, and, you know, we mentioned uh, returning it into the hands of the workers to make it, you know, like a workers' co-op. So just looking to see what, what will come next for the 13th note and, you know, especially the rest of Glasgow's hospitality sector after these events. Um, well, what we're looking to do now is to take over the note as a workers' cooperative, if that is a possibility, which we're hoping it is. Um we're hoping that would shift the goalpost so that folk um, couldn't, like, so that the uh, hospitality employers will then not be tempted to do what Jacqueline has done herself. Um, I mean, this is this is like, admittedly, like uh, an issue that that hospitality has to face up to is that it's so easy. Our hospitality organisers, sorry, need to face up to, and I guess that I guess across the movement. Like we are, and this is part of it, but is is that it is very easy, and we've seen it before, for companies to like Phoenix or just simply to like uh, cut their losses and and go. We've seen that with abandoned ship, Glass Vegan. We're now seeing it with Jackie. Um, it's threatened a lot. The I mean, I never met people uh, so desperate to plead poverty, like behind like a port a massive portfolio that is. Like freely available in companies' house, you know what I mean? It's it's ridiculous, but um, yeah, like these that we're hoping that if if we're able to establish a workers' co-op, we can shift the goalposts and say, look, this is what happens now. And if you're unwilling to listen to workers, then workers will like take it upon themselves to take over the venue. If you want to close a venue, you either have to negotiate with workers or you close your venue and workers will take it over. That's what we're. That's what I'm hoping anyway is is something that the thirteenth note, the legacy of what we've done, can hopefully achieve. Um, because we're we're not like I think a lot of people assume that 
when she closed it, that would be us. We were done. And I think that's what she aimed to do. Um, I think that was a, it was a spiteful move and it was an attempt to, uh, to like sort of put it to us, if you like. Um, we are not defeated at all on this front. It has only galvanised us. We are building something that is much better than we'd hoped for initially. So if we're able to establish it, which granted it's still a while off, but if we're able to establish a workers' co-op, then I think it would be uh, it would be a phenomenal achievement off the back of like, uh, such a like highly sort of publicised dispute as this one. Um, for like hopefully it can it can make organising hospitality that little bit easier because one thing is that uh like I've been out and about and obviously like as the chair at the moment as well I'm speaking to a lot of different workers across hospitality and people are like like people talking about the note quite a lot I've I've even I even the other night had somebody come up to me that recognized me from whatever like the like the coverage and stuff like that. that's not to say that I'm that's acting as if I'm some famous guy it was one person right but people like people are engaged with it and people are engaged with it in bars and whenever you speak to staff in other bars they do tend to know about it and they do tend to have a lot of questions and I think that the closure has maybe put a, a dampener on things in that respect. So I'm hoping that, yeah, like it can maybe become easier. If we're able to establish this cooperative, then it's suddenly like, yeah, staff staff will know that it's not just a, you're not just going to end up like losing your job if you join United Hospitality. You're either going to get what you want in your current framework or you can take it further. That's my hope anyway. But Yeah, no, I think you're spot on there again, Nick. And, you know, uh, if a, a cult was to go ahead and with it being successful, I, I don't doubt that it would have great support, you know, both from past uh, musicians in that bands who've played there to, to people who'd go there still and probably the new Lisa people who, who would be eager to go now knowing it's in much safer hands. Uh, and again, that would set a benchmark for uh, worry for these, you know, uh, other types of Jacqueline fantasies, you know, if they're experiencing you know, the the full rightful wrath of the workers because they're not uh, fixing health and safety concerns, meeting, you know, demands in pay or, you know, listening to them in the slightest, you know, they might be thinking, well, I could shut I could shut down this venue and I'll just focus all my resources to the one just round the corner and the next street over. But if a venue, if their venue was to come under fire, uh, to be taken into workers' hands and, well, it would challenge them. People would know their face, they'd know their name, be quite, simple and easy to have a workers co-op that would challenge uh, something like that you know i think that's going to be you know the the thoughts and you know many bosses heads are now in hospitality is you know certainly taking a cautious approach because uh, i think even they, re they realize that jacqueline didn't win out of this she may have spitefully shut down the note and you know putting our, our, our workers and uh, an even more precarious position but like you said, you've been you've been galvanized by this. You have a clear goal. You you know what you're wanting to do, you know. And if the thirteenth note can become you know that beacon for what can be achieved by hospitality workers who are you know almost undervalued and you know aren't portrayed to to amount to anything, it will show quite clearly that this is what grit, determination, uh, and you know a strong level of trade unionism can be done. You know, I think it would very much shift the goalposts. Uh, and you know change a lot of people's minds especially in the hospitality sector when so many of them are you know young or they've been in a while they find themselves in a position where they're very much dependent on just the day-to-day -day runnings uh, of anything so no I think you're absolutely right and I don't think there's too much else I can I can 
echo, especially from from what you've said. So just looking to see if you've got you know any final talking points and whereabouts can we find uh, you and the 13th Note workers on social media so we can keep right up to date with you. Um, well, 13th Note workers are at 13th Note workers on Instagram and Twitter. So you'll be able to follow our public campaign there and just everything we're doing. Um, personally, I'm on Twitter at NGDT77. So like just the four letters and then the seven seven. Uh, I would just actually like to make like just one final point before I go um, or before we finish up is just that for any hospitality workers that are listening, is that as much as as much as we are told and almost like believe ourselves that the work we're doing is easy and we don't deserve any more for it, or it's it's just a job that you're doing in passing. The job that you're doing now facilitates the social life of every everyone else. Like, ev- like nobody else. Like nobody can go out to the pub without you pouring their pints. Nobody can go out for dinner without you serving their food. Nobody can go to see a concert or a comedy gig or anything like that without sound engineers and bar staff and stuff like that facilitating. So I just hope that, like, from what has happened at the note, that hospitality workers across Glasgow, Scotland, the UK, wherever, can take on board maybe what we've done, learn from where we've went wrong as well, but, um, like, realise fundamentally that, like, we are a core part of the economy and a core part of the social and cultural life of everyone, it's like and you might think that the, you might feel that the job is easy, but the job is important, and you should get your worth for that. And you should get better paid. You shouldn't be living in poverty. You shouldn't be worrying about hours and stuff like that. You shouldn't be working in unsafe conditions. You should be getting proper pay, proper contracts, and safe working conditions as a bare minimum. And if you're in the UK and you want to do that, then join Unite Hospitality. Super, Nick Brown. And again, thank you so much for taking the time out to come talk to us. It's been an absolute pleasure. No, thanks very much, mate. I really appreciate it. Thank you, comrades, for tuning in to another episode of Spectre. Be sure to leave us a review on whatever platform you're listening in on. And, of course, share us with your friends, co-workers and comrades. The conditions that the 13th Note in Glasgow have faced are not unique. The similar conditions that have plagued the hospitality sector in Scotland and throughout Britain for decades. What's vital for us to do is to support these workers across all areas and levels of their dispute. From their initial grievances against health and safety, conditions and pay concerns, to further escalations such as strike action and the now put forward campaign of seizing the 13th note back into workers' hands. The hospitality sector, in Scotland especially, is precarious. It puts many young people who work in there in a fearful position. Fear of joining a trade union. Fear of taking any form of action or uproar against tyrannical bosses. But we have to be prepared to stand beside them, to give them strength, and most importantly, to give them the tools that they need to stand up and make the workplace a better and safer place. Bosses such as Jacqueline Fennessy have gotten away with far too much for far too long. In the description below, I'll leave the links to the Unite Hospitality Fund for seizing back the 13th note into the workers' hands. I encourage every comrade listening to do what they can 
to help the 13th note workers in any capacity in which they're capable of. Workers in the hospitality sector should not shy away from the valuable work that they produce. Without them, not a pint is pulled, not a meal is made, and not a dish is served. I'll end today's episode with a message for Jacqueline Fennessy and the many other rats in the hospitality sector who feel that they can treat their workers like shit and get away with it. Watch this space. I'm living in that 21st century, doing something mean to it. Do it better than anybody you ever seen do it. Screams from the haters, got a nice ring to it. I guess every superhero need his theme music. No one man should have all that power. The clock's ticking, I just count the hours. Stop tripping, I'm tripping off the power. Broken, the schools closed, the prisons open. We ain't got nothing to lose. Everybody, we roll.